Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Castlin and Always Acting Up. This is the podcast where I will be sharing all of my stories and journeys as an actress in the entertainment industry. We have tips and tricks, uh, industry secrets, Q&As, everything you need to know along the way. Um, in this episode, I'm very excited. I have a special guest today. We're going to talk about what happens when the job you book gets canceled. What do you do about it? And we're also going to talk about the importance of mentorships. But before we get into that, I want to give a special shout out to everyone who has been following along with Always Acting Up podcast on all platforms. We've got YouTube here. And of course, I have a brand new Instagram page, Always Acting Up podcast. So this all could not be possible without your support. So I have a quick audience uh, plus for you. All righty. And like I said, I have a very special guest. She is here. So if you're watching along on YouTube, you will see everyone welcome Michelle Simone Miller. Hi, guys. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. And so, Michelle, Michelle is an actress. I know you said on your podcast, um, it's pretty silly, hand model. You have a podcast <laughs> as well, Mentors on the Mic. And uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it, it's funny because the way Michelle and I met was I had put out a casting for my podcast um, on one of the Facebook groups. I was just looking for guests, people who had interesting stories. And she actually responded and she kind of pitched her own idea and pitched her own story. And I was like, oh, I didn't think about that, but that's a great idea. And so we were in communication and we couldn't quite make it work th that time. But it's so funny because I was on Clubhouse and I'm in this group and I'm, you know, I'm just browsing. I'm looking around, looking at everyone. I'm like, oh, is this, is this the same girl? It's the same girl. So I was like, oh, this is meant to happen. Absolutely. And I'm glad we finally were able to do this. Thank you for being patient. And I'm glad we were finally able to meet and talk about this. Yeah. You know, I have to tell everyone, like all my guests, like my schedule is very flexible. I know how the industry goes. Like you can have an audition or a booking tomorrow and all of a sudden everything is thrown out of whack. So I totally understand it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The other day I had a whole to-do list of things I needed to do. And then I got an audition that was due the next morning. And I was like, what? That's, that's my day. That's just our reality. <laughs> you know, what's really funny is, and I'm glad we're doing this specific episode today because we're going to talk about what happens when the job you booked gets canceled. And it's funny because literally yesterday I had two interesting situations. Um, I got this audition at 1115 AM due at noon. I was like, what? Ah. Like what? There has to be a mistake here. There's something wrong. There's a glitch in the system. Something's wrong. So unfortunately, like I wasn't able to do it because I, I wasn't even home yet. <laughs> I wasn't even home. And, uh, the second audition I had, um, it was with a casting on in Arizona and they have mountain standard time. And we are, I'm here in, I know I'm on Vegas, so I'm in Pacific. You're on the East coast. So I'm, yeah, I'm always trying to be like really cautious of time zones and, and where people are. And the director wasn't on the same page of all this. So I was on my audition time waiting at 4, 4.20, oh. 4.30. And I wrote my agent. I was like, something's happening. He's not here. Something's not happening. And I was like, wow, like they're not even showing up for their audition. Like what is going on? Turns out it happened to be a time zone problem. But I was like, this is super convenient for my conversation tomorrow, which is not today. Right. Absolutely. That <laughs> so fits in well with what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Oh. So can you go ahead and tell us like, whoops. Oh, oh hey. 
hey, uh, it's Castlin. It's just me interrupting my own podcast. So rude. I know. Well, I just wanted to let you know that Always Acting Up podcast is sponsored by We Audition. What's that? Well, it's the website for actors made by actors. It's the platform where you will never have to struggle to find an audition reader ever again. And the best part, you can be a reader too, where you have the chance to read with real working actors, see what they're doing in their auditions, see what their setup looks like, all while practicing and getting better with your own cold reading skills. Oh, and did I mention? You can make money on there too. Say what? Well, I guess it might be time for you to check it out for yourself. But before you do, make sure to enter in my promo code, ActingUp25, for 25% off your subscription for a lifetime. That is ActingUp25, where we can hang out and help each other with our own auditions. See you on We Audition. I think you told me about it, but I think it'd be way better if you just tell us what exactly happened, what the job was, you looked it, what happened? So it's funny, it's happened twice to me, actually. So when lightning strikes, right? I guess it struck twice for me. So now I feel reassured, I don't think it'll happen again. But, you know, people talk about what happens when an actor gets cut from something that they've already filmed. And that's happened to me too. Super disappointing. You're in the theater, you know, for me, I was in, you know, theater watching my movie, and I wasn't in it. And this was like, very, very disappointing. But no one talks about what happens if you book something and then before getting to film it, you get cut. The whole scene gets cut. So nothing to do with you. So this happened, this ha- has happened to me twice. And and I've been reassured by multiple people. I've asked people on my podcast too, like who are producers and showrunners. I'd be like, does this happen often? They're like, it does, unfortunately. It has nothing to do with you as an actor. We sometimes have to cut a whole scene before we even get to film it. We'll look at the script. We'll start casting it. And then that happens. So the first time this happened was for a show called The Night Of on HBO. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And I had I booked a co-star role. I, booked, I was like a hotel clerk. It was like a little funny exchange with the main character played by, I think, John Tarturo. And super exciting. I booked it. I went to the fitting. Um, and oh, maybe I didn't go to the fitting. Before anything happened, they rescheduled my shoot. They were like, you know, we have to push it back like a month. And my manager was like, this happens, it's not a big deal. You'll, you'll do it next month. And then they pushed it back again. They said, we're not able to do this scene. We're going to have to do this scene in three months and then six months. And my manager was like, this is rare. Like, this is rare that this keeps happening. And finally, my manager wrote me and was like, we're so sorry. But they, oh, this was, was this my manager? It's hard to keep track. Yeah, it was my manager. So they were like, we're so sorry. They canceled it. And we were reassured by the casting director that they're going to do whatever they can to bring you back for the show before it ends. um, Or they'll bring you back for something else. They feel terrible. And I was like, so I don't get paid. I don't get the credit. Like all that excitement that comes from booking something, which everyone who's an actor knows, it's so, so super exciting. Um, All of that just deflated. And I was like, you know, that had been over a period of months. Um, so I let it go. I moved on with my life. And about a year or two later, I met with an agent, um, who's like a family friend of ours who works for Buckwald. And I told him about this that happened. And I made it like in a very casual, like, Oh, this happened way. He goes, well, did you get paid for that? I was like, what do you mean? Did I get paid for that? I didn't, I didn't film it. Like, this wasn't like I was cut. Like I was like, I know, I knew these things. And he's like, no, you're, you're entitled to get paid. If you got an email saying you booked a job, it does not matter if you don't get to film it. You get one day shoot. That's something that's required from SAG-AFTRA. You get paid for a day shoot. I'm surprised your rep didn't say anything. So that threw me. I was like, I had no idea I could have gotten paid. You know, that's about like, what, $1,000 or something. I was like, that would have been really, really good, right? Money right. is money and it's good. And I was like, I didn't get the credit. I didn't get to film. I didn't get the experience of being on set. Um, so I just kept that kind of tucked away. 
And about a couple of years later, um, I worked with another agent um, and I'd been with that agent for C for a while. And I booked another co-star for HBO's Crashing. So HBO is so fun for me, right? HBO's booked me twice and canceled me both times. So I went in for a fitting for this. I brought in some clothing options. They had some clothing options. I tried on 10 outfits. Super exciting. This was going to be a really funny scene. I had, I was improvising at the audition. They asked me to. And, um, and I just was like, this is going to be a really fun character to play. And I brought clothes. They ended up taking a couple of the pieces of clothing I brought. And then they had options that they had. And I took a bunch of pictures and they're like, we'll get back to you. And they said, can we keep your clothes here though? So that on the day of shooting, we'll just have you have it. I was like, great. And then I got cut. The whole scene got Mm. cut. They decided they didn't need that scene anymore. Again, devastated. I mean, here it is again that this happened. I thought to myself, oh my God, is this like, (laughs) how does lightning strike twice? This is so rare, it felt like. Um, But this time I knew I could get paid. So I emailed my agent. I was like, great, this sucks, but at least I can get paid for it. Do you want to, do you want to talk to them about that? And she was like, you can't get paid for this. What are you talking about? That that's you didn't you didn't shoot it when you shoot it you get paid and I said no I've been told by a couple of people in the industry I didn't want to say it was another agent but I was like I've been told by a couple of people in the in the industry that I can get paid anyway and um she responded with no and she said not only that I she said I don't think you should be blacklisted in the industry like I feel like that's a big no-no she used the word blacklist she said I don't think that casting director would ever call you back if you tried to get paid and I was like, oh, okay. And I um, happened to work at an acting studio that does workshops with casting directors. And so I saw a casting director in the city who I knew pretty well. I'd gone in for multiple times. I told her the story and she goes, yeah, you 100% should get paid. What kind of information is your agents giving you? She said, we know as a casting office that if you get booked by us, which we make sure 100% with producers that you're booked, if you get an email from book, like that you're booked for us, then you get paid. She said, furthermore, you went in for a fitting. That's a time out of your day that you came for a fitting. You also get paid for the fitting. Mm. So I was like, okay, so what do I do? She goes, call SAG. So I call up SAG after it. And right away, they were like, 100%, just send us your booking email, send us your fitting email. And yeah, we'll get you paid. So I called up my agent. My agent was like, this is news to me. Let me, uh, give me the information for the SAG after representative you spoke to. She got back to me. She said, I'm going to deal with this. She emailed the casting office and kind of threw me under the bus. She sent me the email that she sent them. And it was like, Michelle found out that she could get, uh, she could get um, paid for the shoot day. Is that possible? She spoke with someone at site. Like she just threw me under the bus. Um, And they were like, absolutely no problem. They responded super, you know, super, um, sort of, uh, what's the word compliantly? I don't know. She, they were super compliant. They, um, they gave me, uh, I got paid and it took a while for me to like, then to go to my agency and make sure that they get, they went through with it. And I think I didn't even get paid for months after that. They said that they would. So the whole thing felt very weird, but I did get paid for both the fitting and the, um, and the shoot date that I didn't do. And I later spoke with the casting director and she was like, this is not a big deal at all. We feel terrible. We're going to try to put you in for something else. This happens. We hate it that it happens. But yeah, you should get paid. And that has nothing to do with us. That's production paying you as they should. So that's my story that I think more people should know about. I I, I do. I mean, 
I think that story is, it's amazing and it's frustrating at the same time. It's frustrating that your agent was like, I don't think we should follow up on this because fear of being blacklisted, that's, yes. I think is very frustrating. I also think it's frustrating. Um, and I think you deserve to be paid because as actors, you know, we have a set schedule. And if I book out the time, I that means I'm not doing anything else. That means the time is reserved for this shoot. So to not get paid, um, I, I think you deserve to be paid. And I wanted to ask you, so this is for SAG projects only. Yeah, the, yeah, they're, exactly. And do you have to be SAG to still qualify to get paid? That's a really good question. I am SAG, so I think that was part of it. But because it's a SAG production, I think it has to follow SAG rules. And so you're almost, because you have to be like tapped heart lead or whatever. So I don't know how it is for people who are SAG eligible or non-union. Um, but technically it's SAG protected the show. So I imagine you possibly still could get paid even if you're non-union or SAG eligible, as long as it's a SAG, but like an official SAG production, not like a SAG new media, like, um, like a, just like a television show or film or commercial. Yeah. I, I think because I'm still non-union, non-union, I'm eligible. And I worked on a SAG feature whenever before the pandemic happened. And I actually got all of the travel benefits that all of the union actors got. So I was like, oh, okay, that's good to know. But yeah, so I, th that's I think probably, yeah, it has I to think follow that's the same probably rules. part of it. I was curious, did you get your clothes back? I did. I did get my clothes back. They sent that to me in the mail. But I remember thinking like, yeah, like, you know, I really thought I was going to get, the, like, I didn't think that there was an issue. Like I gave them my clothes. If I thought that there was an issue, I'd have been like, I'd, I'll bring these clothes to set. No worries. But yeah, I did get my clothes back. Thankfully, it was a good pair of jeans. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you reminded me that I worked on a, there was a, I don't want to put the show under the bus, but anyone here in Vegas knows that there was a Chinese TV series that was here in Vegas. They filmed the entire thing here. I had a reoccurring co-star on it. So of course we just left nice. my, my clothes at wardrobe and we had, I had one more day of filming and all of a sudden something, something happened. Production stopped. The entire production stopped. They went back to China. I never got my clothes back. I was like, wait, oh. you guys... Like, and I, I couldn't get a hold of uh, anybody. Like it was, it was insane. I was like chasing people down to at least get paid, which I know a lot of people did not get paid, which is why I went after it. Cause I was like, no, that's my money. Um, you know, I'll forfeit my clothes, whatever. I won't get that back. It was just a pair of jeans and boots and a top. So I was like, that's a little annoying, but, but still, yeah, that's your stuff. Yeah. I was like, what are you just going to leave with my stuff? And somebody, I think they had said, oh, it went to some type of donation Ben, you can go pick it up there. And I was like, y'all weren't going to call me and, and tell me that my clothes were my possessions going to be donated and given away or I don't know. So shady. Yeah. And so I was curious, have you been brought in by these casting directors who originally booked you? Have you been in with them since? The first one, yes. The second casting director, honestly, I can't. I, this is a really good question. I don't think I've been brought in back, like back in. And I used to be called in all the time for them for that particular show. I'd been called in multiple times for booked this one, and that show did stop. I believe, like I think it was, I think it was the last season. But I don't think I've been called back in for that casting director. But I'd like to think. It hasn't. It doesn't have to do with this. I think it's just part of just the industry sometimes taking lulls and not call. And plus, COVID obviously, it's been a couple of years. But 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've spoken to her, like I said, afterwards, and she was so nice about it. She was like, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that happened. I hate when those things happen. We'll bring you in when something else is right for you. And maybe they just, it's out of sight, out of mind, or they haven't had anything. I can't imagine that she would have said it in that way and been so nice about it. Yeah. And then faulted me for it, especially since like I've been told by other casting directors since again, it has nothing to do with you. It doesn't even come out of their budget. It's not their problem. They didn't do anything wrong. Um, and they hate it when they have to cancel their actors. So they're like, yeah, go get paid, go get your money. So I don't know. I feel like it had nothing to do with it, to be honest. But I don't think I got called in for that second casting director again. So who knows? I think I, I agree with you. And so your agent, I think, are you, are you still with the same agent? No, definitely. No, new agent. Yeah, she was that, you know, it was was one of those things where like people ask themselves, they'll be with certain agents and we'll be like, you know, I don't feel like this is working out. And then something like that happens. And all of a sudden I was like, I I don't think this is the right fit for me anymore. Like, um, you know, that really kind of sort of underlined my existing thoughts about them. And they're a reputable agency. They're they're by coastal. So they're in LA and New York. And that's just that's crazy. And I think it's great that you went after your money because I feel like I'm a freelancer. And so a lot of the problems I have is sometimes, you know, we're not on a schedule. Sometimes it's a net 30, two weeks, or sometimes even 90 days. And I'll work on a project and I'm like thinking, you know, a couple weeks down the line, I'm like, I haven't gotten paid yet. Let me call somebody else to see if they got paid and they didn't get paid yet either. And then I realize, oh, no one's gotten paid. So I go to the production company and I'm kind of like hunting people down for my pay. And I realized that I'm the only one doing that. And I'm like, why aren't you guys trying to get paid? And I feel like yeah. it always makes me look like the bad guy because I'm always trying to get my payment. But I feel like if there was a group effort and we all made effort to get payments, then, you know, it, it would be a quicker process. So yeah. I encourage I people, get your people. money. Yes, 100%. And I think it's confusing for people because they think to themselves, well, maybe I just don't know the time frame. Like, I think people make excuses for it. They'll just be like, I don't know the time frame and when I'm supposed to receive the money. And so if I don't have it yet, like, it's probably because they're waiting till the end of production or the end of the month or whatever it is. But, you know, it's important for you to at least ask those questions like you did. And if they reassured you, oh, hey, yeah, checks will be sent out this week. And then the following week, you'll be able to get it. You'll be like, great. I know I don't have to like chase you further. Um, but people just need to be really open about, you know, the time frame in which you're going to get paid and like, um, you know, and how much and when and all that stuff. I think there's a really big fear of being blacklisted or being difficult because even on the, the show that I was just talking about, I have a friend who never got paid at all and he's never going to get paid. So I'm like, I- you know, maybe if so they're not paying, shady. if they're not paying you, maybe it's a production you don't want to be a part of anyways. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's your time. It's your effort. Like I, I mean, to go to, for the fitting, it, it took me an hour both ways. Right. Which is not that big of a deal, but I had to take like three trains, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know, like it's not that big of a deal, but that's still my time. So my time, you know, should be valued. And like, like you said, if I take a day, if I go, okay, this is my shoot day, it's going to be April 3rd, for instance, and I don't get to shoot April 3rd, that means anything else I would have booked, I would have had to turn down any work offers, any, any other jobs, any, anything else I would have been like, actually, no, I can't do April 3rd because I'm already booked for this. And then they'd be like, great. Okay. I lost that on that opportunity. I lost that on that paycheck. So there's a reason why those, those rules exist. Um, and there's a reason why, you know, at least the union tries to protect in instances like that, because it does happen and it sucks and it has nothing to do with me. 
Um, so it's like, well, why would I, you know, lose out on other money when I could get paid anyway? And I think you only get paid, like I said, up to one day, but it's still something. Hey, one day is one day. We'll take it. And, and you know, what would have been, what would have been really helpful is if you had a mentor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love your podcast, by the way, you have a podcast. Thank it's you. called mentors on the mic. And I want, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about it. I have so many questions and I feel like myself and there's pl probably plenty of other actors out there. I feel like one of the things that has not quite held me back, but it hasn't helped me is that I feel like my entire career, I have not had a mentor and I feel like I'm always working, figuring things on my own trial and error until I finally get it right. Or until I get frustrated and cry or whatever the situation is. And I'm like, you know what? If I just had a mentor, probably wouldn't be in this situation. So, yeah, Michelle, can you tell us? Way. Can you tell us about mentors yes. on the mic? I will tell you about mentors on the mic. I so appreciate you saying that. I feel the same way. I I think it really hit me when I had a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, tell me that. Like I think I asked her a few years ago. I was like, "Well, how many mentors do you have?" Because she always talks about her mentors. She's like, "Oh, my mentor is going to come to my birthday. I'm going to meet with my mentor about my pay raise, you know, here or how to apply for a pay raise." And I was like, "Well, how many mentors do you have? You seem to have a couple." And she was like, "I have six. Whoa. I was like, "What do you mean six mentors?" And she said, "Well, I have a mentor for different things. Like I have a different men, but all for related to her field of interest and what she was her profession. But she said, I have certain mentors that'll go for X, certain mentors that'll go for advice about what my next position should be, certain mentors that I really speak to about like finances and job stuff and investing. She like had all these mentors that she's collected. And so that in combination with Tribe of Mentors, which is a really thick, amazing book by um, Tim Ferriss. And he said in the intro something similar too. Um, and he wanted to create a tribe of mentors. So I was like, ah, okay, podcast stirring uh, a topic, you know. And um, yeah, the same sort of thing happened. I was thinking to myself, well, I don't have a mentor. You know, I reached out. To, and when I think of mentors, I think of it as different as uh, than like someone giving me advice one time. Because you could ask someone for a phone call and they'll sit with you. But will they have a long relationship with you? Will they be willing to read your material two years later? Will they be willing to advise you on a contract if they're a lawyer? Like, are they willing to put in a little extra effort over a long period of time. And I realize there's a difference between having someone advise you once and a mentor. A mentor is a, a longer term relationship. And so I started to go, okay, what would it be like if I had mentors that I can call or turn to over a period of time? And how do you get them? And so that was something I was pursuing. And then, you know, the origin of my podcast, the same, at the same time, I was doing these panels for the college that I went to, I went to Brandeis University. And I really wanted to establish a series, like just like different panels of alumni in entertainment, where they could talk about their experiences, and I could learn from them. Um, and so I got together a group of four people, I got an Emmy winning producer, I got director of strategic research at NBC. I got um, a TV and film agent in New York for a pretty prestigious agency. And the fourth one was a production manager for big television shows in New York. And I got all four of them together and they started talking and we had an amazing panel. I thought, then I thought to myself, well, I'm so happy I've created this for my community at Brandeis, but what about the rest of the world? So that's when I was like, aha, uh -huh, I've got it. 
I want to do a podcast where every episode I interview someone in entertainment about how they started and how they moved up. And these are not just for actors. I mean, actors always listen to the podcast too, because it's super interesting. And there's some podcast episodes that have casting directors and agents and managers. It's very much pertaining to actors. But there's a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are PAs and people who are in the industry and work at a network. And they're like, well, I don't know what other jobs are out there. Like, I don't know where else I could, what else I could do with this position that I'm in. Um, And so I wanted this to be for them too, where someone could listen and go, I didn't know that's what a director of strategic research does. I didn't know um, that that's what a VP of production at Cartoon Network does. Like that sounds super interesting. I want to, I want to aim for that now. And I think most of the time people don't know what they're aiming for. They don't have a very strong idea of like where they want to be in entertainment in five, 10 years. They just think, you know, I want to be successful and I want to do this, but they sometimes don't know where and then how to get there. So that's kind of the idea behind the podcast is it's an assembly of amazing people in different places in entertainment and just me asking them a bunch of questions. How did they start? How did they move up? And any advice do they have along the way? And that's mentors on the mic. Yeah, it's it's fabulous. I mean, I, I listen to it and I'm like, oh wow, this is this is great. And and the guests you have are fantastic. You guys, she has mm-hmm. like the showrunners of Friends. I listened to one with Carol Kirshner, which I actually listened to twice because I was like, this is mm-hmm. so good that I have to go back, listen again, and make sure it really sunk in. And I'll probably listen to it like one more time just to make sure I could take notes because oh. that one was really great. Grammy, Grammy nominated artist, Emmy nominated artist. Grammy winning producers. Yes. I got really excited. No, not artists because I probably should get an artist. That's probably Mm -hmm. why I'm thinking I was like, I need to get an artist on this. Um, But no, I had a Grammy winning producer who did um, won the Grammy for, oh God, I forgot which one. I think it was Katy Perry's only girl in the world. No, it was Rihanna's only girl in the world, but he got nominated for Katy Perry as well. So it was like very difficult for me to remember which one was which, but point being, yeah, that was pretty awesome. It's, it's amazing. And so do you, are these all people that you know, or do you seek them out? Because I was like, dang, um, she knows so many people. I don't know 95% of the people who have been on my podcast. Um, Or I have, like, I have never met them. There's been like five I've met in person. Um, Yeah, I, I, so the first four, or the first four out of the six or something. I think I asked a couple other people as well of my first initial uh, episodes were those people from that panel. And so once I got them to say yes, I was able to start let, like I started to then like move on. So like I, I booked the the first, um, the first guest was the Emmy winning producer, Stan Brooks, who was on that panel. The second episode were two friends of mine who um, were like the official podcast for Hallmark, which I thought they have an amazing story. Um, third episode was someone from that first that panel. Fourth episode was someone from that panel. And I think the sixth one. Once I got those names down, once I got like established a list, it was easier to then start pitching other people. Like I started being able to go, you know, check out Emmy winning producer Stan Brook you know, his episode. And that was my go-to thing I would send people. And all of a sudden other, and you know, like then I had another guest that was recommended by one of my first guests. So it was his wife. Um, she was the VP. She's the VP of Cartoon Network. So oh that gosh. just like start. Yeah. Right. So like it started this like 
cycle where all of a sudden I just had more confidence to reach out to new people because I had that. So a lot of the guests I I've either just pitched on social media, I've sent messages to their publicists. Um, some people reached out to me. I had someone, for example, one person reached out to me who's a music manager. And so she was the one who got me her, the Grammy winning producer. And, you know, she got me someone else as well. Um, so sometimes, and then I have had another PR person reach out to me and she gave me two of her guests. Um, sometimes I'll reach out to people that I know and then those fall through, but then they replace themselves with someone else. So like it kind of has worked out. Yeah. So it's just been a really fun adventure meeting these new people. Like I'm meeting these people and because it's all virtual and it can be remote interviews, I can really talk to people who are in different parts of the world. Like someone reached out to me and he was in South Korea and one person, you know, most people are in California. So it's been really cool. Yeah. I was curious about that. And I was just talking with, uh, Kurt Yua and he, uh, if you guys go on YouTube, he was in the previous podcast that I just was doing and, uh, type in acting actor Kurt's videos pop up. He was also seen in black widow, Cobra Kai dynasty. He's, you've probably seen his face before. And one of the things he was telling me, he just did an interview with Kate Shoreland, the director of Black Widow. And I'm like, how did you, how did you get this interview? And so he had a very small part, no, no small parts, you guys, but he had a part yeah. in Black Widow. And he was saying how the director was just such a wonderful, likable, personable person. And after they wrapped, they went home. He was thinking, he was like, you know, I think I'd like to interview her. And he went on IMDb, got a hold of uh, her manager, then the publicist, and then actually Disney and was able to do an interview. And I'm like, Holy, I would have, I would have never even thought about going that far to get an interview. But, uh, now he knows that that can be successful. I know we know, we all know this is possible. I think we all feel like, Oh, we can do that. I, I, I think there's this idea of like not having access to people in big, higher, powerful positions or yeah. that they're not going to be interested. And I think there's this, yeah, I think there's this idea of like, I, I guess a class system. They're so high yeah. up that they're not going to want to talk to me. And I think that's yeah. probably not true. So we got to break those boundaries. It's so interesting because I think it mostly comes from being an actor and having like this actor mentality yes. of we're the lowest on the food mm-hmm. chain and everyone's an actor. So like yep. everyone can't call up like a huge director or producer and be like, put me in your films, you know, like, <laughs> but we can call them and ask them to be part of a podcast or just talk to them about their careers. Be like, Hey, I'm interested in X. I feel like I used to reach out to a bunch of people when I graduated in Brandeis, which is not known for its entertainment alumni, I reached out to a lot of the people who were on that initial panel, that Emmy winning producer. Yeah, I reached out to him and he was really sweet. And I spoke to him on the phone, but I didn't really have a good idea of what questions to ask because in my head, as a new actor trying to pursue a career after graduating college, I was in New York and I knew I needed an agent or a manager and I needed access to casting directors and I wanted parts. Like those are what I needed. And he can't provide them. He can't magically put me in something. He might be able to get me an audition, but like he doesn't know me. So it's like, why would he vouch for me when he doesn't know me? And then, I mean, this was what I was telling myself. And also like I would ask him for agents and managers and be like, I still don't know you. And also I don't really know ones that could help you. That's not really where I am. I'm, I'm producing, I'm directing right now. So I felt like I just didn't have the right questions. 
And when I sat down with him and really got to hear his story and, and ask him all these questions, not only am I establishing a longer term relationship with him, but, and I'm not asking for anything else. I'm not asking for something for me. I'm asking for something for other people as well. But I think you then start really developing a connection with people. There are mentors that I've talked to that are big in the industry that I now text message or that I now ask to be part of my clubhouse rooms or something. Um, and that comes from different things. And some of them I don't have that relationship with. Other times, like I'll email someone be like, oh, hey, I hear you're like, oh, this one person, there's a TV director on my podcast. And I emailed her and I was like, hey, do you want to be part of my clubhouse room? She's like, you know what? It's really crazy right now. I'm actually in New York. She's in LA usually. She's like, I'm actually in New York. I'm casting. I'm not casting. I'm directing a few episodes of this new project. And she named the project. And it was a new show. I would not have known that show. And I researched who was casting it. And it was a casting office that I that had booked me on another TV show on Blue Bloods. And so I messaged someone on social media because I'm friends with her on social media. And I was like, hey... Uh, I'm so excited to hear so-and-so is directing these episodes. Like, I'd love to be considered for the show. I'd love to work with her. You know, like, I, and I got an audition. So, like, it wasn't, like, immediate. I think, like, it was a week and a half or two weeks later. But, like, I think that's kind of a part of it. But we as actors feel like we need sometimes, like, we're intimidated to ask people yeah. in the industry for help. And I think that, you know, really, like, if you ask them right away, they don't know you. It's the same way now, if a newbie, like if someone just out of school comes up to you and asks for advice, and then asks for you to like, introduce them to someone in the industry, you're going to be like, but I don't know you like, mm -hmm. but if you saw them working for it for like a year, or six months, and you saw that they were posting all the time, and they were supporting your stuff, and they were messaging you about how awesome your podcast is. And they were talking, you know, you posted something that you booked, and they were like, congratulations. And then they you also saw them posting their reel posting their work, and you're seeing them and you're like, seeing all their hard work and how much they're putting into it. Chances are, you're going to want to help them. Chances mm -hmm. are, if something comes up, or if they ask you six months down the line, for an introduction to your agent or manager, I mean, it's happened to me, I've, I've, you know, referred people that that's just done that. So it's this idea mentor is different. A mentor is someone you just like establish a longer relationship with. And chances are along the way, something could be like, you can help them, but also they can feel supported by you that they can feel maybe there's a reverse mentorship as, at times. Um, I think we just need to change our questions a little bit and not make it feel like, okay, as an actor, you're up there. Yeah. I'm here. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And so for your for your past guest, um, some of them you said have been on your clubhouse. Do you have like a, a newsletter that you send out to sort of like stay in touch with people? Like, no, um, <laughs> I probably could. But that just requires so much work. I think people don't realize that. Also, oh, like, I don't want to be that annoying person with a newsletter. I'm, there's some really great newsletters out there. Don't get me wrong. I just mm -hmm. I don't want to ever be something close to an annoying newsletter. So I don't, I don't do that. I, I just occasionally just send out solitary emails to people. I'll be like, Hey, I have a podcast, I have like a clubhouse room going on on Monday or like, Hey, um, your episode's coming out next week. Do you want to come on? Like I had, um, one of my most popular episodes this, this past season was Jenny rabbits. Who's the casting director for Chicago fire, Chicago justice and Chicago med. She's also works in the same office that does all the law and order stuff and all the FBI shows. And she was one of the most popular guests that I had this past season. 
And she also took the time to do an Instagram live with me as well. Oh, cool. So that was really popular and really informative. And I think also lent itself people to want to go check out that episode. Um, but why did I bring it up? I don't even remember why I, uh, I was that. talking about news, <laughs> newsletters and staying in touch. Right. That's how I stay in touch with people. It's just like social media and like occasionally solitary emails being like, hey, do you want to do this now? Do you want to be part of this Instagram live with me? Do you want to, you know, do this clubhouse room with me? So, yeah, I, yeah. I always, I'm always curious about that too, because I have a newsletter, but I only send it out. I send it out once in January and once in July because I, nice. I know that when I get newsletters, sometimes I open them, but other times I just delete, 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 because I feel like it can come off as spammy sometimes. But I think it's a great way to, it's my way to sort of stay in touch. But I'm always like, how can I stay in touch with people more often without coming off as annoying, needy, desperate? And I think just an invite to something like a clubhouse would be great. Or I saw your recent episode. I think it's fantastic. Congratulations. Um, Your casting is great. Directing was fantastic or whatever the case it may be. Every time I have one cat, I have one um, writer on the show. He was a TV writer and now he's a novelist. I put in my calendar when his book is going to be available and I'm mm. buying the book. I'm pre-ordering the book. And so he sent me a message. He sent everyone an email like to his like contact list that, um, Hey, the book is coming out. Feel free to pre-order. And I was like, done. And then he was like, Oh, great. How's it going? Like any updates, what's going on with your life? And I was like, here we go. You know, like that's kind of how that works. That mentorship thing works. And I know, and he's already said to me, if I ever write something that he would look over it. And I'm like, that's so nice. I didn't ask him for it, but I think it's just this idea of like, you know, like, you know, something over time is so much more like, uh, fruitful and just exciting for people. People get to know you as people and not just as that like desperate quote unquote actor who needs something all the time, you know? Yeah. I actually think, um, the older I get, the longer I've been in the business, the more I'm like, we're all just artists. And we're all actually on the same playing field, just trying to create and be better artists for ourselves. And I think that's 100%. something that we forget all the time. So what do you think are some of the best qualities to look for in a mentor? Oh, it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, just someone who's really open and kind and just willing to talk about themselves and get an, have an interest in you. I think that would be great. I mean, really for me, anyone I feel like who, um, is willing to talk about themselves is a potentially great mentor. Right. And then furthermore, like anyone who's willing, cause already that's really nice for someone to give me an hour of their time. If it's Marta Kaufman, who's the showrunner of friends, I was so grateful for an hour bananas. of her time. Like that's bananas. I was so excited. So have I written to her since um, I've written to her team. I don't have her direct info, but I've written to her team being like, here's the episode. Thank you. And if there's anything else, I'll send it to them. But I guess my thought would be anyone who's willing to talk to you about themselves is a great mentor, but anyone who is open to continuous conversation, not all the time, but like if a month later, you know, they're, um, you know, interested in something you're doing or you provide interest in something they're doing and they see that, um, just kind, open people. I think those are the things that come to mind with being a mentor because those are the people that are actually going to take an interest and maybe offer to help and maybe offer to be there for you or we'll take you up on your offer when you, I mean, I've had mentors on my podcast to um, people who listen, who list like listeners have reached out to them for advice. And 
they, he's already given me permission to, um, give his email to anyone who has asked. And I've had multiple people say that they've written to him and he's read their work. And he's like a huge producer in Hollywood. So that's so nice. Now I wouldn't have known that when I started talking to him, I would not have known that that's the type of guy he is, but he was someone who's willing to give me his time, who's willing to open up. And then he was willing to be like, yeah, as long as it's not overwhelming and you think that they're like not crazy and like kind of the gatekeeper of this email address, he's like, send me their stuff or like send me their, like, like give them the email and then can send me their stuff. And if he has time, I'll look at it. And he's looked at everything that people have sent him. Um, so I just, you never know. I think anyone who's just open, I think it's the best start. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I was curious, how many mentors do you have now? That's a really good question. <laughs> I, I will say, I do think anyone who is on my podcast, and I've had like, I think 31 guests or something like that. I think of them all as mentors because I, yeah. I started to think of it as a tribe of mentors now. So like, I don't talk to all of them, but they're all mentors in different ways. Like, am I trying to be... Um, a TV director right now? No, um, I'm not. I'm not really doing that. But can I learn a, a ton from that person? Yes. Can I, as an actor, get a lot from that? Just understanding that relationship that like, that, you know, I, I can get stuff. For example, there's this one TV director is on my podcast, Jason Emsler. He just finished up Love, Victor on Hulu. He's so sweet. I really loved hearing his origin story. I mean, he was a badass. He was like, I wanted to direct. And I had nothing to direct. Like, I just didn't know what to do. So he's like, I pitched a friend of mine who worked at a company. And I said, I think that I could direct PSAs really cheap for your company. And they said, yes, we directed PSAs. Then he went to the college I went to. He went to Brandeis and he was like, "Um, I want to direct a short film that like shows off the amazing entertainment alumni that you got, we've had. And she created a whole film with multiple like locations. It was really, really exciting, but he used that to get his first job. So like directing beget more, you know, more directing, if you will. And I've had a lot of directors actually say that, but like directing came from just finding something to direct and going for it and not waiting for that permission. Being I learned so much from that lesson. Yeah. Just because I'm not trying to direct right now doesn't mean that like that wasn't directly applicable to what my life, like, so yeah, I feel like they're all mentors in different parts of my life. I've had a couple, like I said, who were on the podcast who are podcasting mentors of mine. Um, some people who are like content creator, you know, mentors of mine. And they might not know that I think of them as a mentor. Maybe they found out when I interviewed them. But um, I learned from all of them. So I think anyone I could learn from, you know, as long as they're nice about it, I yeah. just can decide that they're a mentor of mine. And I think that's a different definition for some people. I've had a couple of people on the podcast who are very specific that mentors are a very specific relationship where they feel like they're your mentor and you feel like you're their mentee and it's a very established relationship. And I was like, I don't believe that. I think you can make someone you've never met your mentor. I think you can make, um, you know, you can just follow someone's career. I can say Reese Witherspoon's a mentor of mine because I think she's mm-hmm. a badass actress who's developed this incredible company where she takes books and she options them and she creates these like female led films. That's a mentor to me. She might not know me yet, but like that's, I think of her as a mentor anyway. That's actually how I feel about Jennifer Lopez. I'm I'm obviously not a singer, um, but I feel like having a dance background and an acting background being similar, I feel like she's a businesswoman. Like she does everything. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want to do. And I feel like she's aggressive in a business way. And I'm like, you know what? She doesn't know me yet, 
but I, yeah. I look up to someone like her. And I think what you were mentioning, you were saying how some mentors feel like I'm the mentor, you're the mentee. I've noticed there's a lot of production companies or casting companies where they actually charge for mentorships. And I'm wondering if that is, uh, is that common? Like, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Because I yeah. like the idea of having a mentor, but I also am like, dang, you're charging like 400 something dollars. Like, I'm an actor. Like, I, I got headshots, classes, reels, yes. websites. Like, I got Real. a lot to pay for. I'm like, this is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Do I believe in that stuff? I mean, I guess some people are good. I just feel like there's so many scams out there. I just, you know, kind of said no to one today even. Like, you know, there's a lot of shady stuff out there. I, do I believe that mentorship should be charged? No. I mean, but I guess it maybe depends on the situation on a case-by-case basis. I There's one, there's one um, the one who's the VP of Cartoon Network, she said something about mentorship that really stuck out to me. She was just like, first of all, I don't want to always think that I'm a mentor for other people just because I'm a vice president at a network. She was like, I learn from people younger than me all the time. She's like, I'm a firm believer in reverse mentorship. She's like, I there, there are certain things that I'm going to not be good at. And I would love someone to like, teach me more about that. And so she's like, I don't think anyone should go into a a mentorship situation feeling like you don't have anything to offer because Mm. chances are you do. And I I teach networking workshops now as a communications coach. And that's something I talk to all the time. I'm like, don't come into the situation feeling like that person's above you and you need something from them. Because like you said, that's when you come up with that desperation. But if you come into it thinking I offer, even if I'm 20 and I'm just out of college or 21, I'm just out of school, I might not have anything. I don't have experience. I barely have this. I barely have that. You chances are you have something you can offer and you just don't realize it. So like figure out what you can offer at whatever age, at whatever part you are in your career. Cause chances are like that person might need it. That person might need that, that form of mentorship. There's also peer mentorship. I'm part of a mastermind group for podcasts where four women, five women get together and we talk about our podcasts every month. Right. And we've done it less than less. We used to do it like every two weeks and now it's every five to six weeks, four to six weeks. But point point is we just have a bunch of us come together. We share stories and we help each other that way. And that's a, that's a form of peer mentorship. That's completely fine too. It's like we can learn from our peers, you know, in a way where like if I know something about social media that works well for my podcast, they can be like, great, um, but I know how to get interns. Let me help you with that. It's been amazing. So I feel like mentorship is something that's evolved do I think people need to pay for it? Eh, no, that's coaching. Like, I just feel like coaching is different than mentorship. Yeah, I like what you said about everyone brings something to the table. And that was something I know I'm still in my younger years, but when I'm like 50s, 60s, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to find somebody who's like 20s and I want to, I, I want their knowledge because they're the future and they're, that's what's happening. That's what's coming up. And if I'm like, you know, not staying up with the times, I feel like it's not going to be so great. I have to, you know, learn from people who are younger than me and what's going on, what's new, what's coming up. And I have two last questions for you here before we go into our moment of positivity. Can you give us, and you have an episode on your podcast that tells you specifically um, your steps on how to get a mentor. Briefly, what do you think are the two most important things um, for someone who's looking to get a mentor? Hmm. Yeah, I did this a few months ago, but what would I remember the top two? Um, I think one of them for sure is 
definitely support them throughout and make sure you understand it's a long game. I mentioned that earlier, but like, try not to feel like you're getting everything from someone right away. Don't even feel like you need to ask them that much, you know, about what you might need right away. Think of it as a long game. So like if in six months to a year, use that time to support them. If they have a book coming out, if they have posts, LinkedIn is a great place. If people use LinkedIn, find them because I, I, first of all, I found great mentors on LinkedIn for my podcast, um, who are like big people at networks. Um, and those people post all the time about the entertainment industry and I interact with them. I interact with the comments. I send them messages being like, that was a really great article. I read X and X and X. Congratulations on this new project. Congratulations on this. That's a way I think people um, can develop strong relationships with mentors all, all, like over time where they're supporting them. People see that. People feel that. They feel like it's not just you're waiting for me to be there for you. But when you do maybe need something from them or want something from them or have a question about something in the industry they're more likely to want to be there for you because they see that you've sort of put in the work over time, if that makes sense. So that's my favorite tip to give people about mentoring. And then what else? I think not to be afraid of finding people, especially within your communities. I mean, there's a reason I went after the Brandeis alumni community at first when I was trying to create relationships with people, because when you go after certain communities, whether it's your church or synagogue or mosque, whether it's, you know, camp, like your camp that you went to or your high school or your college or like summer camp, anything that has to do with a community that like binds people together, chances are that that commonality, that shared interest is enough for people to want to do something for you. If you're part of like Groundlings, for instance, or you're part of like UCB, I don't know if UCB still exists, but you know what I mean? Like if you're part of like, thank you. Yeah. I just wasn't sure. Cause I think they closed down for a bit here. Um, yeah, one of but them let's did. say you're pro- there, there we go. Sign. Yes. Okay. And you didn't make <laughs> it up, but let's say you're part of one of those find an alum who was part of that program or who went through those, that track, because chances are they're more likely to want to help someone within that community, right? They're more likely to be like, Melissa McCarthy might help someone from Groundlings because she was, she was used to be there. She used to be that baby that like needed help and needed direction. She might not be able to give you a role. She might not be able to, but she will be able to maybe have a conversation and help you um, because you have that common interest. That would be my other big tip is find people within communities, reach out to them um, and, and have uh, some time with them. Ask them for 15 minutes, ask them for half an hour. Just be like, I can't do coffee. Let's do something on Zoom. I just want to ask questions about you and your life. And if you have any questions about like the industry, you can ask them that as well. But I think that's what I would say. Find people and, and not be afraid to ask them to have a talk, have an informational session. Yeah. Find, find people walking in your same circle. They'll be willing exactly. to help you. They're the first people that will help you. Yeah. And I I encourage you guys to head over to Michelle's podcast. Um, she's got tons and tons of episodes, so much you can learn. And you mentioned you were doing um, classes, network, net, network, communication. Networking classes. How can we yeah. find you? How can yeah, we stay sure. in touch with you? Um, Instagram's the best way at Michelle Simone Miller. So I post, like I I'll do, um, I'm doing a three-week class in public speaking in September. I'll probably do one more by the end of the year. Um, I do intensives and workshops and stuff on the weekend occasionally. 
but I use a lot of my acting and my play to like help people feel really strong about their communication skills and develop their own communication style. So, you know, think about it. Like, you know, the, the things that you've had to work through to not be nervous at an audition, maybe is going to be the same stuff that you can use to help someone with their communication style or their like ability to feel nervous going up and talking in front of a group of people and presenting maybe. So I have different people in my, um, in my classes, like everywhere from people in the industry to people who are not in the industry who just want to feel better and stronger and work on those skills. So that's a great way to find me. The podcast is available anywhere. I mean, as you know, it's just one of those things where like anywhere you find a podcast mentors on the mic, um, is there. And then I also have, um, on Instagram at mentors on the mic as well. Awesome. I love all of it. All podcasting platforms, mentors on the mic. And so, yeah, at the end of every podcast, I like to have a moment of positivity where we share secrets, quotes, tips, things that make us feel better when we're having hard times. And you being my guest today, Michelle, I would be honored if you had anything to share with us for some positivity. Yeah. Something that's been coming up for me a lot this week is just to remind yourself to be compassionate to yourself and others. Um, sometimes it's harder for others, but specifically to be compassionate to yourself. So like something happened this week that was really hard for my family. And I had a whole list of things I needed to get done this week. And for some reason, I, I just lost compassion for myself. It was this weird thing where I was like, I need to get this stuff done, even if I'm distracted by all this family stuff that's happening. And uh, I don't know why I was really mad. And I, I started to notice that pattern of just like, I, I don't let myself, I don't like forgive myself for not being able to do as much as I want to do. And, and that's my own thing. I think a lot of times as artists, we feel like we need to be doing so much more. Um, maybe it's because we don't have a typical nine to five sometimes. So there's this element of like, it. right. It's like, we know that like, we don't have the same type of structure as other people. So we kind of have to make sure we do it and we have to hold ourselves accountable. And I just wasn't showing myself enough compassion at the beginning of the week. And I was super distracted and I just sat down and I had to like light myself a candle and like take out my journal and just be like, girl, you're not going to be able to get through this today. You're not going to go through your to-do list. You just need to take care of you, make sure you're okay, because there's no way you can give to all the stuff you need to give to if you're not good. And you keep pushing it off thinking like, I'll, you know, I'll get to the work. I have to do the work. I have to do the work and I'll get to how I feel and my emotional stuff. And, uh, and I told myself, no, I have to be compassionate. And I lit a candle and I listened to some Billie Eilish and that helped. So that's what I would say. Just be compassionate. Like we all go through stuff. There's a crazy world out there. There's so much going on. If you need to take some time off and really deal with it, not like watch TV for consecutive hours. Cause I've done that too. Not taking care of yourself. That's just you relaxing. You're allowed to relax. Not the same thing as being with your feelings, taking care of yourself, moving yeah. your body. So that's what I would say. I, I totally get that. I'm one of those people. I would be perfectly happy with like 45 hours in a day. And sometimes I'm Me like, too. I just, I finished one task. I want to do the next one. Like, go, 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 go. Yeah. And then I get to a point where I'm like, my brain's not functioning and I'm starting to make mistakes and I'm spelling things and I go back and I'm like, what did, I, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> That's where it's like, okay, you're done. You're done. Just yeah. If get it over gets it, to part you're finished. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things I want to do. And I think, I don't know if you feel the same way, but once you do a podcast and you feel like you're creating something, you almost want to be like, I want to create more of this. And I want to create more of that. And I, I wrote a children's book in 2014 
and I didn't do anything wow. with it. I, I kept trying to, like I wrote it all out and then I tried to submit it to places and it was really hard. And I was hearing back from things that I felt like were scammy and like not hearing back from the people I wanted to hear back from. And so a few months ago decided I'm just going to self-publish this thing. And so I'm yes. in the process. I'm like at the end tail, like I'm going to publish this soon. It's so exciting. But it also means that like, I don't know, things come up, man. Like, like things come up for that children's book that I didn't even know would come up, you know? And like, I got, I told you, I got an audition a couple of days ago and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm super distracted and I have a whole to-do list. I didn't factor in things coming up with my children's book and this audition. How am I going to get it all done? And I mean, I have to show you this, not that people are going to listen, understand. This is my like to-do list for a week and you can't yeah. see it. And I, I know that, but like, unless you're watching the video, it's a long, long freaking list. Normally I have checks and stuff and stuff all over. And this week I did not do that. I was like, I have a whole day just devoted to this audition. I have a bunch of stuff keep coming up for my children's book. And I have that family stuff I was telling you about. I was like, I cannot get through this list this week. And I just have to show myself compassion and I'll start again next Mm -hmm. week. Yeah. I I do the same thing. I have, I use Gmail and there's a little task icon and I just task, task, task. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, it's getting so full. Oh my God. Oh my God. And so I'm like, okay, this is going to happen. Not happen, not happen. Prioritize. And the reason why I felt this podcast was so important is because what you were saying is an audition came up and sometimes your auditions take a lot of time, a lot of time. And it throws off your whole schedule, which is why yesterday was like, "What, what is going on? What is going on? And so when you book a job specifically, that's your time and it throws everything off. So I'm glad you got paid and I'm glad we were able to have this discussion on the podcast. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if it helped one person be like, wait, this happened to me or like it's maybe it'll happen to someone else who's listening to this podcast. We'll be like, well, I know what to do now. Then I'll be happy. Get your money, chase your money. You deserved it. You earned it. And is there anything else you want to share with us before we wrap up here? I think we've had a really um, fabulous conversation. Yeah, I think, you know what? Um, I'm actually, I haven't really given it out yet, but I created a list of like, like a checklist of things that um, make people feel like a, it was basically a checklist that came from something I taught where it was like, if you want to feel comfortable in front of the camera, how to feel like technically, physically, and mentally prepared for anything you have to do on camera, whether it's an audition or whether it's like a Zoom call that's super important, like what things you need to do to just kind of check off and be like, okay, that's right. That's good. That's good. I feel good. Okay, great. Um, So that I'm giving away for free. I just haven't announced it yet. So if anyone wants it, just message me or just like eventually it'll be on my bio. So yay, Yeah. Well, thank you. I think there's a lot of uh, great things and I'm going to put all of your links in the comment sections below so you'll be able to follow Michelle with Mentors on the Mic. And of course, you guys, uh, make sure to follow me as well. Like, comment, and subscribe. Um, Both of us, all podcasting platforms, we are here, Mentors on the Mic and Always Acting Up Podcast. And also here on my YouTube page, make sure to subscribe. And every time I upload upload a little video, you're going to see, make sure to check that little bell so that you know when a new video is coming up. You guys, I think that is it for today. We're going to do some outro music. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you.